What's shaking, cats and kittens? I'm Rob Lee from Getting to the Truth in This Art. And this podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Bazaar. Bazaar is a gift shop for those seeking the strange and unusual. Got morbid curiosity? Got an interest in natural history? Bazaar's got you covered. Bazaar specializes in antique medical equipment, jewelry, prints, funerary antiques, and many other morbid gifts. The inventory is ever-changing. I'm wearing a great death's head moth pin, and I'm enjoying this hand-poured candle called Overgrown Cemetery. It's great. It has the studio smelling awesome. Head on over to 3534 Chestnut Avenue in Baltimore, Sinan Hamden neighborhood, and see what they got to offer at Bazaar. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today's guest is executive chef owner of Fuzine. We have John Crager. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to finally get together and have this conversation. Yes. Um, so I always do the um, the top tier, the fucking above the head like review of like, oh, you do this, this is what you do, but you, it's, it's deeper than that. So Give us that that elevator pitch. What's your background? What's your what's your work about? What's the restaurant about? Uh, well, Fusine is really about me coming back to Baltimore after all my time, pretty much in New York and working in all the crazy places that I worked at, going through all the experiences, really in the whole entire restaurant industry from every facet of it, and bringing that back here. It's not like I wasn't doing it before I left. I was here in Baltimore doing the same thing. I was working in restaurants, opening other places and stuff, working with really community places. Again, I've really never worked in any change in my whole entire life. So it's always been about small businesses, connections with the owners, connections with the people and the staff. I've done everything, you know, from the very beginning of the scrubbing the dishes and collecting the trash off the place to everything. So bringing that back here was kind of a real big thing for me to kind of bring it all back and, and give back to the community and try to create something new here. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I kind of noticed where you you have you you do the search you do the google search it's like you know what people say google me and i was like i'm gonna google them and i i see different things i've seen chopped i've seen bobby flay's name thrown around i've seen just definitely that experience in new york and um i think one of the emails that you exchanged with me is like look i do everything here so <laughs> you gotta give me a second i was like cool cool so what would you say one of your earliest memory was uh, or one of your earliest memories are with with cooking uh, that's really an easy one because I've uh, it's something I reflect on often, I guess. Uh, it's me and my mom. Uh, my mother was an Italian home cook as well. She was also in the restaurant industry as well as everyone else in my family. So she used to work at Little Italy here in Baltimore at a place called Sabatino's, which is still open to this day. Great. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> my really my memory was barely being able to see over the counter and remember her rolling out gnocchi. You know, making the dough and making gnocchi. And so obviously all that involves sauce already smelling up in the kitchen that day. And really, I just remember the flour, flour all over the place, me trying to reach up and getting flour down because I could literally barely see over the counter to see it. But I knew it was going on. <laughs> so so having that, the so the, the, the Italian background, that was would be that, that early is kind of like introductory uh, point when it comes to food. So... How has that? Well, let me say it this way: D describe your your cooking style and your approach to food, and has any of that like introductory experience carried over into what you're doing like today? I feel like some of it has. It definitely has. If anything, I feel like we respect food more 
now than we used to. I mean, I started a while ago. I'm not trying to say I'm old or nothing, but I started I started a while ago here, you know, and chefs used to sit on an egg cart in the kitchen smoking a cigarette when it was <laughs> like that real shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it, I feel like we didn't respect it more back then. Or we Even if we were putting out fine food at that level, you just, you, I feel like nobody cared. There's a lot more care and respect, I think, going on in kitchens nowadays. Yeah. And I know there, it's not everywhere. Some people, it's just a job and all that. This is definitely not the career for you to get it. And if you were ever in it just for a job, it's not like you're making money back there. If you're getting beat up all day, it's very, you you need to love this shit. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that's a, a really big part of it and why I also wanted to bring it back. You know, my love for this goes very far and extends into all the different assets of the business too. Mm-hmm. So to be able to finally, you know, bring that back here after all the things I've done to do the menu with the bar menu, to do the food menu and be able to switch things up as I see fit and continue to bring in things fresh as I want to. That's really, I think what we've evolved a lot more into as well. And it's also good to see that the Baltimore scene, I feel like has also kind of evolved into that as well. So, so speak on that a little bit, the, the Baltimore scene, like, like now, um, because you know, like I, like I said, when the, the whole introductory conversation, I'm a person that I pay attention to food. I, I, I don't, I, I, apparently I have a reputation of being a food snob and I've spoken to him. It's like, yo, you have a reputation. I was like, how do I, what do you mean? <laughs> and I'm, t- I'm tucking in my white collar. I was like, oh, what do you mean? But uh, from your vantage point and, and what you're doing, like you're, you're in the times I've gone there and granted it's been in the last like couple of months, it's, it's like you're playing the hits that that's what I'm getting from the food. It's like, okay, I, everything I've had there, I've enjoyed. And I, what I do is I bring people there and I feel ownership. It's like, Oh, I hope, I hope this is look, it's going to be good. So from your vantage point, like how would you that describe that food scene? Because I know I don't like going to a place and it's like, all right, this wasn't, this wasn't good today or something a little off here. But what's your, what's your take on it? I totally agree right there. And trust me, as limited time as I have to be free and actually go out and enjoy myself somewhere, I, I kind of expect things to be good and I want them to be good. And I love new experiences. And uh, I feel like our food scene here has definitely changed. I remember leaving probably in the late 90s, 99, maybe 2000, you know, when I left, there was no kind of food scene here in Baltimore, really. You had crabs on the tables, you had crab cakes, and you had steak. And that was generally the food scene here. There was nothing really creative going on. I mean, I worked in the I worked in Baltimore County at Bluestone with Chef Chad from Food Mark and all that. I'm talking back in the day type stuff. You know what I mean? Like, that was as creative as it got. And that's when chefs like him and I, I think, were starting to, to blossom a little bit more the chefs that were the chefs at those places were finally giving us the opportunities to maybe make specials and stuff, which maybe started to ignite some of the change. You know, as he, as soon as he probably got his change free, he yep. did a different thing that started to be a little bit more of an evolving situation. Uh, the city, I think definitely changed and it's evolving situation because some of the owners started to become people that were my age. They were interested in finally doing something mm-hmm. a little bit more different and not just having all the same stuff, but realizing that you're also in Baltimore and you need to cater to a certain type of people is also the kind of mix that you get, which is what I try to really do here. I'm in a little neighborhood over here. So there's some things I felt like I needed to do on the menu. I really wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be outlandish and fine dining, but there's 
uh, time and a place where I can do that. You know, I can still do my tasting menus, which is something else I can totally offer. But to remember that I'm in a neighborhood and it's, it's also just me back there cooking. I got the small staff. Things need to be able to run at the level that I want them to run and still be at the level that I want them to be at. As far as as much as I don't know, I feel like there's not as much creativity still going on here. There's a lot of cool things going on and I do like to see them. And when I do see them, I go and I make sure I support all that stuff. Yeah. But I mean, we're finally just starting to see good tacos around here now. And like, you know, other things besides just crab cakes and steamed crab and sandwiches and all that stuff. It's just, I mean, I sell so many chicken sandwiches here. There was never even going to be a chicken sandwich on this menu. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it this way. The, the one guy I was talking about earlier that I said doesn't drink, he was the one that got the chicken sandwich. And I was like, Philistine, you Philistine, what are you doing? And I was like, come on, my guy. It would have never been different. on the menu. Had pandemic not happened, there would probably never been sandwiches on there. But, you know, I mean, I love sandwiches, too. I make a good damn sandwich. But it's just like, damn, when we saw, like, you know, 20 chicken sandwiches on a Saturday night, I'm like, damn, I had this beautiful appetizer. Please try this shit. <laughs> and, that, and, that's, and that's the thing. Like, I when I pop up on a menu, and I, I'll say this, it's, it's been a lot of ramps. It's been a ramp explosion I've seen. I was like, huh, nobody was touching this up until a couple of years ago. Mm. I know a few people that put me on. And I was like, I don't know what ramps are. What you doing? You know, and I'll, I'll say, like, I, I went up to Brooklyn a couple years ago and I, it was the first time I had like, um, it was these tempura uh, squash blossoms what have oh. you know, stuff with this white cheese. And I was like, all right, this is delicious. And I started realizing like, I go, when I go out of town, I look for something that's, this is within my zone. I know what I'm looking for, but what's left. Um, and when I even go shopping, I go for what's left, what's outside of the zone. And that's what I do. And when it comes to like crab cakes, I get snobbish. Yeah. I'm like, look, I'm, I make better crab cakes. I make what I like. And I do a Japanese inspired crab cake that I smoke. And I was like, y'all can jog off. If you're nice. not doing that, then I'm not gonna have your, your $30 crab cake, which is a smug thing to say, but it's a real thing too. Yeah, nice. So in, in, in terms of dishes, crab, crab cakes are probably one of my dishes that I like to make crab mm. balls uh, and so on. Cause I, I bought a smoker during the pandemic. That's what I worked on. Nice, I got um, downstairs. What is, on your menu or maybe even something that has been on your menu in the past, what is your favorite dish to create? I love to create whatever I feel like is new to me as well. You know what I mean? There's some classics that I bring back and things that I've done that I know are stars. I mean, one of them is definitely the squid ink pasta. The squid ink pasta has been done with like king crab before. It's done with just, you know, blue crab lump here. It's always had the Thai chilies in it lots of garlic and it does a parmesan cream and there's been whatever garnishes i've done in the past and it's evolved from so many different plate ups which is cool and i haven't posted like this cool video i want to do like all the the uh i guess the different changes and evolving of the dish but the one here is so good and we sell so many of it so that's really cool to see something that was like damn i remember how many we used to sell back then and i brought it here and i just got to redo it and make it for here and it, and it sells again it's awesome but I'm sorry, I messed up. What's the rest of that question? No, 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 no. no. Uh, just what, what that that dish is, and, and actually the way you described it, it made me think of it. And and adding this layer to it, so when you're you're bringing a dish that you that it's synonymous with your with your toolkit, right? Mm. And you're bringing it from one zone for one type of palate to another zone for another type of palate. What's the thinking that goes into that? Like I would imagine for doing the pasta here, you're like, all right, I'm gonna put that blue crab in there because that's, you know, synonymous with this area. So what's the thinking that goes into that? 
I guess just trying to make it maybe a little more unique. Maybe I just didn't want to copy and play, you know, because I feel like I am bringing it to a new audience again. So they deserve something new, whatever new twist I could put in it without, you know, flip flopping at this, just like you said, and trying to stay true to what it was. But and then, you know, ramp mayonnaise because it's ramp right now. So if I'm going to do <laughs> ramp mayo, charred ramps on it, it's what's available right now. It's always my favorite thing, I bet, because it's always what's best, too. You know, whenever it's the freshest, that's what's going to be the best right now. That's, that's great, actually. <laughs> so and, I, and one of the questions I already asked, I can move that off there. Um, so, so speak on your um, speaking your time in New York or what have you. What are um, now? Granted, it's a lot of experience there and a lot of different things there, but what do you think was that that moment that informs you of all right new york has served me in this way and i've learned a lot and gained a lot of experience but you know what i need to go back to baltimore and i need to do this i need to make this happen i feel like after the first week or two was already a huge appreciation i mean it was a Definitely during a time period, too, where the kitchens were starting to just only transform, kind of like I said. And that was very much true when I moved to New York. When I moved to New York and the very first kitchen I started working in was Pichelin. It was a Michelin star restaurant at the time. There was grown ass men working there. <laughs> you know, every yeah. single man there was like on his station. He had been there for a long time. He wasn't. In, yeah. You know, I'm coming up there as like a 21 year old and hungry and ready to get my grind on. They're like, where do you live? I'm like, I live in the Bronx and it took me an hour to get here on some train. I don't even know how and where from. And I don't even know how to get home tonight, but I'm ready to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it was. Literally, I jumped in at everything and every opportunity that I had and that was given to me at the time. I mean, really very fortunate for me. I feel like every application at every place that I was really just, man, I got to go to that place because this chef is awesome. And I love the things that they do. And this is the kind of things I want to add to my arsenal. That's mm-hmm. literally how it was at every single place that I was. Every time I put it in the application, they're like, come in, do the trail. Boom. You know, it was like, man, I'll start the next day. <laughs> and it was always that way. And it was just so much experience in such an amount of time that it feel like it wasn't that long of a time, you know, mm-hmm. but again, I can think back to every moment to every different trial and error through all those different restaurants and stuff. And it was, you know, it was my favorite point in my life so far. At one point though, in New York, it's just nonstop. You know, it really is nonstop, much less chef life. It's just nonstop anyway. (laughs) I feel like there was just a point where I just kept thinking about what was going on here. You know, I still followed some of my friends that were chefs here and everything. And I was, I feel like I was almost burnt out, not burnt out in chefing, burnt out, and just my surrounding and what was going on around me at the time. And I don't know, uh, family, my sisters and everything. And we were finally starting to reconnect a little bit and it just all came together. Literally after barely a month of just being back here though, this place was offered up to me from a chef of mine that I worked for 25 years ago here in Baltimore. Oh, wow. So that is literally the story of how I got Fusine. It's from a chef that I used to work for 25 years ago in Baltimore County at a place called Gibby's. That's that's great. And I, I think like you sometimes you go back home and just those opportunities. And, and, and one of the things that stuck out and you're describing that experience in New York of just I, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm doing it. So, you know, and just having that um, that inclination of just riding that wave. It's like I'm here. I'm going to do this. It might be might be terrifying. That's like, I don't know, like this train, my Metro car is a little slippery. I don't know what we're doing here. And 
you know, I've been trying to approach that in, in doing this podcast and like trying to extend it. It's like, look, here's I'm giving more than a college effort here, you know, and, and that's the thing. And I think whenever you're pursuing something and maybe you agree, um, you, you got you to gotta put your whole ass into it. You can't just put part of it. You got to do the whole thing, because if you're doing it for money or whatever, sometimes it's it's not yeah. going to click that way. And I've heard that that same thing, that same degree of honesty from a few chefs that same thing of like you're not making a lot of money here you got to like to do this <laughs> yeah i mean that was also i'm not gonna lie one of the reasons to go to new york too i always literally from when i was a child i always said i want to be in new york regardless i feel like i didn't even know my career at some point i always wanted to live in new york i was like i gotta go to that city that is where i want to be so when i finally did i feel like have a career path a little bit more so it's not like i did anything else i've literally been cooking in kitchens since i was 13. it's the only thing i've done all my life no joke working mm. this. <laughs> so, so when I did decide like, okay, this is obviously what I'm going to do. I am going to stick with this. There was a, I feel like a learning of a cap here. Mm. If you know what I mean, you know, so it was like, where can I go next to fulfill what's going on? The next thing was kind of DC at the time, but the only thing DC kind of offered to time was fine dining restaurants. Mm. And that was definitely some white table cost stuff. But New York was the next one. All the chefs that I was even interested in, Food Network started to get popular. All those people were from there, you know, yeah. and all that stuff started. That's where it was. That's where I wanted to be. And I will say, though, like, regardless of anything and any of the traumas and all that up there, that city was so good to me. Very, very good to me. I feel like still the most activity on all my stuff, the people I still talk to the most are all still from there. And I feel like that's because I gave the most of myself at that point there. Yeah. And that's what happens. You know, they gave back. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an energy exchange and, and people don't see that sometimes. It's like, you got to put in and every now and again, when I run into someone, it's like, oh yeah, it's just easy. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, when it gets hard, what, what's going to happen there? And I'm saying this as someone that's like 36 or what have you. And it's like, I've been doing this same thing for more than a decade. And it's like, oh yeah, when it gets weird and you don't want to do it, but you feel like you need to do it. How does that work out? And these different things that kind of pop up, but when it's running well, yeah. oh, it doesn't feel like work at all. But when it starts to feel like work, how do you, how do you navigate that? What, what if you stored up for that? What are your reserves like? Uh, speak on your experience with Chopped because I have a bit about Chopped yeah. and I, I, I used to make fun of my, um, my dad and my um, uncle, we had this bit about like, like low for like low rent struggle meal chopped. And it's like, here's a bunch of ketchup packets and like half tuna cans. It's oh. like, I want you to make a gas streak with this. And it, it was, it was that conversation. That was a bit. Cause we watch a lot of chopped. I watch, I watch cooking the cooking channel and uh, food network all the time. That's what I do. Got so it. how was that experience in, in, in being there? What was that pressure looking yeah, like? Yeah. Fun and obviously a great experience. I've had like two or three, uh, entire food network filming experiences. That one was very fun uh, to see the chefs all off camera are very cool and to speak to all of them, but it is totally a made up thing all behind the scenes. It doesn't operate the way you think it operates and all that too. Like I literally had my blowtorch thing happen to me. So I'm trying to light my blowtorch in the scene and on camera, you see all this happening. Cut, cut. Two ladies run over, bring me a thing for my canister to replace the blowtorch, yeah. and then recut. And no, no, there's no stopping. They don't edit none of that shit in there. They just made me like look like I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> and I was like, if this blowtorch had worked, that shit would not be wrong. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I, because I've, I've done some editing in the background. And you're like, this is not how that happens. It's like this is some very creative license here. You're creating drama, and you hear the music go with it. It's like dun dun dun. 
really cool was like you know you would have won. You were like far ahead of everyone else, and we felt really bad that we had to chop you. I was like, <laughs> like you bullshitting me, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give me my money. <laughs> yeah, I need this bread. Uh, so speak on speak on this right here. This is this is uh, I got like two questions left. Mm. Um, and one one it goes to the experience, and I'm remixed it a little bit. I know I sent you the questions, but I'm remixed it a little bit. Um. So with this one, um, if you could prepare a meal for anyone, um, who would the person be and what would the meal be? I mean, I can go two different routes. One is real, real easy and like, you know, sentimental. My mom, sure. because she passed away when I was real young. I never got to cook for my mom. My mom never got to see me become a chef and go into all that. So that would be amazing. It would be gnocchi to show that I know how to make it in tomato sauce because that's what it smelled like. Yeah, full circle. <laughs> Seriously. So that's just like some deep stuff. But otherwise, Triple H, as you try to maybe circle it that other part. I appreciate <laughs> you. Do it a lot. You know, he's a big inspiration, not as far as maybe the other things like the bodybuilding, all that thing. But he is very much a man that was able to take on a whole lot of shit, to take shit and to still continue to deliver and then eventually be at the elevated level that this man is today where you can't touch him. You know, yeah. it's like, not I was thinking cares if you even try, you know, what I mean? it's just yeah. that level. He's done where he wants. He's like, yeah, where he wants. And that's that's how I want to be. You know, I want to be totally confident and happy with where I am and what I have and what else I want. I was almost envisioning like you just pouring a bo- bottle of water on your head and just you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. I was like in the kitchen. I was like, it's, it's COVID these days, <laughs> sir. What are you doing? <laughs> I was like, they changed wrestling on touch. Uh, but yeah, that's that's good. And, and what would you make for him? Triple H, a big ass steak, like a tomahawk steak or something like that. You know, it needs to be hefty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, look, I, I need the protein guy. <laughs> All right. So here's the last question I have. And this has been great. And thank you for sharing all the stuff you, you've been sharing here. This has been cool. Um, so in visiting your place, as I said before, you can't you, you can't help but see the wrestling references on the uh, the drink menu and the music. The music is, is a great playlist. And you described, you know, put, building that out when you and I talked before. So and I even see can't help but miss some of the pop culture references. I see your shirt. I see your tattoos. So rule of three. I need your number one wrestler favorite cartoon mm. and the last rap song you listen to okay i hope you had to remix it a little bit right all right i get that uh favorite wrestler triple h or ultimate warrior it's hard okay ultimate uh-huh warrior. right there yeah that's it um, yeah what we say what was the next one um cartoon because I, I see the the cobra tattoo yeah boom yeah uh yeah and then gi joe's on there too star wars before mandalorian was important yeah i'm always about the bad guys i always like the villains so gi joe is definitely in mind cobra commanders <laughs> i have a shadowloo tattoo i have a street fighter tattoo and it's like look man i'm not bison but i might be rocking what's the got what we got <laughs> nice uh, yeah. and last one was uh i mean literally on my spotify playlist it said humble mumble from outcast was the last song i played nice I'm big into the older hip hop, you know, yeah. definitely like the real rap. And I mean, I grew up when Biggie was coming out and Tupac and all that started. And like, even today, you know, thinking about all the shock G shit and we just lost DMX. I'm like, man, that is the stuff that I had pumping in my huge speakers as a teenager in my bedroom and shit on tapes. And I remember yeah. exchanging mixtapes. I mean, I remember Baltimore club music being a thing where we used to exchange DJ booby club tapes and all that shit. <laughs> like, nice. I am from that life. <laughs> hell, hell yeah. Hell yeah. 
I appreciate that. That is that's good shit. That's good shit. So that's it as far as the hot seat. Um, so I like to invite every guest the opportunity to shamelessly plug. Hmm. So plug away your social media website, the address to the restaurant. Put them on. Put them on. All right. Uh, so I'm at Chef John Crager on Instagram and probably Facebook and all that. Much more active on the gram. Uh, I'm here at Fusine. The owner. I'm the chef. If I'm if it's open, I'm here. I'm here every single day. I have cooked every single item that's ever came out of this kitchen. We opened in September <laughs> and probably will continue for a little while longer. Um, we are at 3123 here on Elliott Street and this little corner in Canton. It's nice and quiet. There's parking. You can come have great cocktails by my partner and my friend Val. And we'll be here for a while. Please come visit. Yeah. Um, thank you, Chef John. Appreciate you. Thank you, man. This was awesome to do. This has been great. So um, for Chef John, I am Rob Lee saying that there is art and dope, dope, dope food in and around Baltimore. He's got to look for it. <laughs>